So that's what we love about dads most, right? The dad jokes. Especially when you're from Alabama. Get it? That's, if you don't know Jim, he's from Alabama. <laughs> so, it, actually, if you're a dad, um, you stand up, whether you're in here over north or in, even if you're at your house. If you're a dad, would you, you stand up? That include being a granddad. All right. <clears throat> Seriously. Uh, humor's a great thing. Being a dad is a great privilege. And there is, there's no greater thing that a dad brings to his family than his presence. Simply for this reason, because more is caught than taught. It, it, it's, it's not the speech, it's the life. And so um, there's not a dad who's going to look back and go, I regret my presence. But how many dads have looked back and regretted their absence? And so I simply want to pray for you men, wherever you're standing, that the presence of God would empower you to be the presence that God intends in your family. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for the incredible gift that as men, as dads, we get to reflect your image in a unique and creative, special way. As you are our father, to be able to father. And I pray for each man who plays this part that you have ordained as father, that they might live in the power of the spirit, they might trust in you as the one who is their wise counselor, their enabler, that as was read earlier, that always each of them carrying about the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus would be made manifest in their mortal flesh, that Jesus would be present in each home through these men. I pray that you would bless them and by blessing them, bless their homes. To the praise of your glory, I commit each man to you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. It's a great privilege. <clears throat> so if you have a Bible, I uh, hope you do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. As we go to Genesis 12, uh, we were introduced to a man last week, better known as Abraham, but currently known in Genesis 12 as Abram before God changes his name. We looked at the, the first three verses where we are introduced to Abram as the friend of God. And as God's friend, we learned this about not just Abram, but every friend of God. And that is friendship with God is these truths, that, that God chooses his friends, that God blesses his friends, that God blesses his friends so that they can bless others, that God has unique roles for each of his friends, and with each of those roles and blessings brings personal responsibility. That's true for every person who has become a friend of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But as we go on to chapter, through chapter 12, I want us to see a distinction. And here's an image, a parallel that I want you to think about. Is there a difference between a wedding and a marriage? Yeah, pretty big distinction, right? What's the difference between a, a wedding and a marriage? Uh, this was a day, a wedding happens one day and a marriage is intended to last a lifetime right? Uh, this is an event, and this is a relationship. And actually, this event that is a, a celebration, is there celebration in marriage? <laughs> this is when you say yes. <laughs> yes, there's celebration in marriage, but there's more than celebration. There's sorrow, and there's sickness, and there's hardship, and generally we try to create a wedding where none of that is the case, right? Sometimes that happens, but you're going to, let's, let's avoid the sorrow and the sadness on this day. That's, this is a celebration. 
Uh, what's unique about a wedding is we kind of step out of real life and we have a moment and marriage, you don't get to step out of real life. It is real life. You, you see the distinction between a wedding and a marriage? All right, I paint that picture in your head for this reason. Genesis chapter two, 12, first three verses, that's the wedding. That's the, the choosing. That's the bringing together the friendship, God choosing Abram, his promise to bless him, his promise to be faithful to him, his promise to bless him so that he can bless others, that through him, how he's going to use him. That's the wedding. The rest of chapter 12 and on through chapter 25, what's that? <laughs> That's the marriage. That's the real life. And here's what I want us to, I want us to see that. There's a huge difference between the start, the event, and the real life. Because if you, if you can have your eyes, real life has a lot of this in it, right? And friends of God have a lot of this in their friendship with God. That's an important place for us to start and something very important for us to acknowledge. Because in the church... And I don't want this to be true over the, this summer as we look at Abram. I don't want us to do pie-in-the-sky idealism. I want us to acknowledge that friendship with God, my friendship with God, your friendship with God, has some great moments and some really awful moments. Has some great successes and some really ugly failures. And we're not going to get out of chapter 12 today until we see the highs and the lows. So open to chapter 12, first three verses, the marriage. <clears throat> Next, we move into, excuse me, the first three verses, the wedding. Now we move into the marriage. Chapter 12, verse four. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. In other words, he said, go to a land that I'll show you. So what did Abram do? He went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now, Abram was 75 years old when he parted from Haran. Do you know how old his wife was? 10 years younger, so she was 65. He's 75 when they depart. Verse five, Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Iran, servants, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite, this is important, now the Canaanite was then in the land. So, uh, let's, just from those opening verses, as we move into real life, we see that friendship with God, real life fr friendship with God, is a relationship of trust. That might seem really obvious, but, but you see that in Abram? What did he have to do? He went going without knowing. Go to a land that I will show you. He didn't, he didn't give him a destination to point to put in his phone. When did that, I mean, really, can you imagine pulling out of your driveway, the U-Haul loaded and behind? Where are we going, babe? Uh, I'll tell you when we get there. I mean, who does that? No, none of us do that. But that's, in real life, that's what Abram did. He packed it up, he headed south, but he didn't have a destination point. He was going without knowing. Uh, that's significant trust, yes? Yeah, that's, let's not minimize what Abram did. He didn't have a destination point, just a command to go, and I'll show you when you get there. Man, I, I just know. I know my heart. I think I know your heart to the degree that we usually want destination points. And we're a little hacked at God until we can get, what's the destination point? I don't like all this fuzziness. I don't like all this unknown. Give me the goal and then I can work there. But that's not what Abram got. In real life, he got a go without knowing where you're gonna end up. And he got a a believing that when he gets there, this is the land 
then I'll show you. Now I say believing without seeing because what did it say at the end of verse six when he got there? Did you notice? What did it say? What he saw was, and there were Canaanites in the land. Hmm. I would have thought, and if you join me here, I think you'll go, yeah, that's true. You would think, God, if you're giving me a land, I'm going to go and find a land that is unoccupied. Oh, it's the wild, wild west. Nobody else is here. This is the part you're giving me. But no, he gives them a place that's, this is it. Believing without seeing what he, I think he expected to see. Now, that's Abram. Does relationship with God, friendship with God for you and I, does it live and die with trust? Yeah, it, it, it's how the friendship begins and it's how it continues. Gospel John says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. Friendship with God begins with believing something you and I have never seen. We've read about it, we've heard about it, but I didn't see Jesus of Nazareth. I didn't see him nailed to a cross. I didn't see him placed in a grave. I didn't see him raised from the dead, and none of you did either. And yet, the only way you and I can become children of God is believing without seeing. So do you believe that? Have you ever asked yourself, based on what? Why, why would I believe that? See, there is a believing in God, a, a trust that is at the heart of friendship with him. That I don't know but I go, and that I don't see, but I believe. What do I believe? I believe that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. It's something I couldn't see. It's something that those around who did see Jesus hanging on the cross, they couldn't have seen that. They would have seen a man hanging on the cross just like other men who had hung on a cross. But what was happening in that moment that they could not see and you and I did not see is this reality. That there was an innocent man, the son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, who had never sinned and he took the punishment that you and I deserve upon himself. He became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now this may seem so elementary, but I hope I have your heart right now. Because friendship with God is all about trust. It's how it begins. Trusting in someone and something that I've never seen. It's why the typical person in the world today thinks relationship with God is not based on something unseen Jesus it's why they believe it's based on something they do because that's what they can see I do good I do more good than other folks and therefore I can see my good works and I'm going to trust in my good works so every person in here north over in north live stream listen to me I know that our natural tendency is to think we get what we deserve. And friendship with God is based on we don't. Because what do we deserve? We deserve death and separation and the wrath of God. But we have believed in something that we have not seen. That Jesus took the penalty for us. Now, again, that is the elementary truth of the gospel. But I'm asking you. Do you believe it? In the manner to which the gospel writer says, I believe it and I 
receive it. I don't just believe it, intellectually understand it. I receive it. I take it as my own. I humble myself to say, I will receive what has been done for me that I could not do for myself. It's very important to me and to really each of you this morning. Do you understand? It's about a relationship with trust. To be saved, to become a child of God, to begin a relationship and friendship with God is about believing without seeing. It's not my works. It's what has been done on my behalf. And don't, don't, don't put a period there, comma, and as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, can I go back to my analogy? How does the wedding, the friendship with God begin? By believing. How does the marriage with God, if you will, same enough, how does it work? By continuing believing, trusting. Trusting what he said instead of what I see. Trusting what he said instead of what I necessarily think. Trusting what he said instead of necessarily what I do. It's, it's built on a relationship of trust. All, all friendship with God, I know this is basic, but can you hear it again? It's where r- friendship rises and falls on this very thing. My trust in what he has declared. It's true for Abram. It's true for us. So if you missed last week, let me just take us back. Here's what we have been blessed with When we have been chosen by God, when we came friends with God, we were blessed with forgiveness, freedom from sin, the spirit of God indwelling us, prayer, wisdom, peace, hope, and eternal life. And yet, you and I, even if we are in friendship with God through receiving him, and these are offered to us, we don't always live in the light. We don't always, if you will, cash in on the blessings, do we? Why? Not because they're not true. Because in in moments where our senses or our thoughts or our feelings tell us something differently, we don't believe. See, it's going to be all about believing. It's going to be all about as we go through the life of Abram, who becomes Abraham, and it's going to be true for you and I as we grow in our friendship with God each and every moment of each and every day. The question is, do I trust him? Do I believe what he has declared? Let me show you as we go through the rest of just chapter 12. Now, the Canaanite was then in the land, is how we ended verse 16. So he got to the land, and he goes, there's people here. (laughs) This must not be it. And what happens? Next verse. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give which land? This land. The land that's occupied now by the Canaanite. This is it. This is where I'm bringing you. This is what I'm going to give you. And so what did he do? What did he do? He built an altar. Why build an altar? (laughs) See, this this folks is, is where we've read too much Bible and disconnected it too much from real life. This is real life friendship with God. If God appears to you this this afternoon, I mean like really appears to you, you might remember that place. Right? Come on. Yeah, you would go, God appeared to me right here. And what would people go? Yeah, yeah, drinking too much, you know. They They would dismiss it in some way, but you would know, Abraham knew, the Lord appeared to me. I got to the land, he said, this is it. And I was like, what? There's Canaanites here. I thought I was getting an unoccupied deal. And the Lord appears to him and builds an altar. Why? Don't miss the kindness of God in this moment. 
Do you see the kindness of God? What's a relationship with God built on? Trust. You think what his eyes were showing him made him doubt? He sees Canaanites, and so what happens? He sees Canaanites, and then what's the next thing he sees? The Lord. That's the kindness of God. What a great gift. And he builds an altar. Now, remember this. How old's Abram? 75. You know how long he lives? The scripture tells us he lives 175 years. You know the beauty of building that altar? For 100 years, he could go back in times of doubt in times of wondering, in times of waiting, and go back and go, uh, uh, this is where the Lord appeared to me. Uh, My heart's telling me other things, my mind's, my eyes are telling me, but here's where the Lord appeared to me. Bring your children, bring your friends, bring your spouse, here's where the Lord appeared to me. He builds an altar, and he gets to go back for a hundred years remembering. Verse 8, then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. The last time he built an altar, he built an altar to the Lord because the Lord appeared to him. This time it doesn't say the Lord appeared to him. This time he goes, I built an altar here. Why? Because Lord, I need to I need to hear from you. I need to know, what is it that you want me to do? And I point simply for you and I, as we live in real life friendship with God, is that it needs to be in times where we stop and and worship. Where, Where you and I have built into our lives time where we stop stop and worship. Now, it never says he picked up his guitar and sang. Did you notice that? Can you worship without a guitar? Can you worship with a Can you worship without singing? Absolutely. You can worship without singing, which is really good, good news for the ones who sing, but not so well. I'm, I'm actually getting a complex. My wife says to me this morning, we're, we're worshiping together, we're singing together. She says, I love to stand behind you and your worship, while worshiping. It just closed my eyes. And then she goes, I love your heart. You know what that's code for? You sound terrible, man, your heart. That's like a blind date with a good personality. If someone hears you singing and say, I love your heart, don't miss what they're actually telling you. So I appreciate that, babe. Love your heart. You can worship without singing. Hey, I'm not dismissing singing. I am saying, has God been good to you? Has God been gracious to you? Has God been kind to you? Have you built into your life a consistent stopping and giving him worship, where you thank him for all that he's done in your life, thanking him for his kindness, thanking for his goodness, thanking him for his grace. Have you? Now you may go, yeah, that's why I'm here. Hey, you can easily walk in this room and not worship the Lord. And you can worship the Lord without walking in this room. Have you built into your life a a stopping and a thanking where you turn off the radio, where you stop what you're doing and you just say, God, I want to say again, I am so undeserving that, that I am your child, that you've granted me forgiveness, that you've poured your spirit into my heart, that you grant wisdom if I ask and peace as I give you thanks. If you stopped and thanked him, or in our worship, salt him. If you come today saying, Lord, I want to hear from you. See, part of worshiping is not only declaring and remembering what God is, but 
listening. That's what Abram did. The second altar is all about, God, I want to hear from you. And part of gathering when we gather for worship, the worship isn't done when the band gets off the stage. The worship simply changes from declaring thanksgiving to our God in song to declaring our dependence and our desire for God by listening to his voice. Come with a a listening, hungry heart. And if you watch my midweek update this week, you'll, you'll know that on my heart is a concern that with everything changing in our world, that the Barna stat, if you didn't watch it, according to Barna, one of the premier research agencies in the U.S., that for churchgoers, almost half of churchgoers haven't done any church in the last month online or in person. It's like they just stopped. Now you're going, hey, I'm here. Why are you telling me this? (laughs) Because the 48% were you, and then they stopped. So you could become that unless you determine, as Abraham, Abram, excuse me, stopped and worshiped. I'm not going to just go through motions and I'm not going to stop the moments in my life where I give thanks to the Lord and where I seek the Lord. As scripture says in Hebrews, the reason we do it together and not just privately is because doing it together brings encouragement and stimulates one another unto love and to good works. So when J. Monk comes up here and says, man, it's just good to be here, and we all clap, that's exactly right because there's something that can happen in us and among us as we gather together that doesn't happen when we stay home. And I hear a lot of people saying, I think I'll just stay home. I've really gotten used to being home. It's just really nice. It's just really good. I think this is going to be my new normal. The scripture says, don't, literally, the scripture says, do not let that become your new normal. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as is the manner of some. That this is important for the encouragement of one another, for the stimulating of one another to love and to good works. You hear me? So be encouraged. This makes a difference. Now, I'm not criticizing all those who are watching on live stream. I understand that may be what you need to do right now, but let's not make it what we're going to do the rest of our lives. That would be in clear disobedience to the scriptures. So the friendship... You know, these first verses, they're like the honeymoon. (laughs) Verse three, one through three, the wedding. Then you have the honeymoon. There's trust. He's believing without seeing. There's worship. He's stopping. He's thanking. And then I always remember our premarital counselor guy saying, when you get back from the honeymoon and the apartment door closes, then it begins. And real life hits now. Watch. Now there was a famine in the land. Ah, first time hardship, circumstances difficult hit the fan. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he came near to Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, see now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you're my sister, so that it may go well with with me, because of you and that I may live on account of you. And it came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, 
Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, if you wonder at this moment, was this a good move by Abram? Was this just like culturally okay? I, can't, I couldn't be more clear than this. He gave his, life, his wife away to save himself. So there's kids in the room. So I won't unpack that for you. But adults, you understand what the man did to his wife to save his own hide? It's, it makes you go, this is the friend of God? You ever thought about it that way? Whoa, I mean, this borderline trafficking What's it tell us? That friendship with God will regrettably bring times of failure. Failure. Now you, you may think, Doug, come on. That's a pretty small word for a pretty big deal. Failure? You're going to call it failure? Yeah. What did he do? He acted in fear. Before you ride your high horse off into the sunset, you ever acted in fear? If you've acted in fear instead of believed the promise of God, let me see your hand. How many times? acted in fear it was it's plain down selfishness right we don't need to know another show of hands on that one everybody in here has even the slightest iota of self-awareness can say i have often instead of living according to the promises of god acted selfishly I haven't done exactly what Abram did, but I've been selfish in my marriage and I've been acted in fear in my own decisions and trusted in my resourcefulness more than God's promises. I mean, ultimately, isn't that what he does? Look at this. Just meditating on this passage again in review this morning. This stuck out to me, verse 13. Please say, listen to his plan. Please say that you are my sister so that it will go well with me. Why? Because of you and that I may live on account of you. Now, just think about this. Who should that be declared to? Yeah, it never hit me like this. That God had said, you're going to live on account of me, and I'm going to bless you on account of me. I'm going to spare you on account of me. That, that instead of Abram, and again, I'm not on a high horse when I say this. This is level ground for all of us. That instead of believing in the promises of God to provide, to lead, to take care of, what do we do? We trust our own resources or our own resourcefulness. And more than one marriage, the spouse has become the God in the relationship. And there's an intent of looking to the spouse to do what only God is intended to do. You see how this is actually real life? Not just some crazy guy who did some unbelievably awful thing, which is an unbelievably awful thing. But in principle, you and I have done the exact same thing in the past seven days. See, because real life friendship with God, watch. You have days where, man, I was trusting the Lord. 
And you have days where you're like, my heart is just full of just praise and thanksgiving to God. And I'm crying out and listening to him. And other days where, man, I'm just making a royal wreck. If, if you think, no, nah, no, nah, come on, it's not that much. It's, yeah, Abraham, Abram did it in Israel, the father of Israel. It, it just happened. Psalm 81, we were reading this week as a staff. But my people didn't listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. I don't know that I had ever seen that expression before, but it, it just stopped me as I was reading it. I was like, wow, that's exactly an, an insight and an expression of how I am often tempted to live, to not listen to what the word of God has said to me, what God has promised to me, but I've turned to my own devices to find joy, to find protection, to provide safety, to provide pleasure, to provide happiness. I turn to my own devices, to what Jeremiah calls a broken cistern, instead of drinking from the fountain of life. Now, I don't know what your broken cistern is, or in the language of Psalm 81, what your own device is. This is Abram's. We're gonna see it again, Genesis chapter 20. And I'll have, I've already asked myself, am I gonna teach this exact same thing again because he does it again? Now, do I have your eyes? There are things in your life that you do in disobedience to the Lord and then do it again. And then uh, again, and then again, right? You see, this suddenly this historical narrative in Abram feels so much like us, and I see my own walk, relationship, day-to-day friendship with a God. In times of trusting, times of worship, and times of failure. The funny thing about trusting in our own devices is it often feels like it's working. Watch. Therefore, he, Pharaoh, treated Abram well for her sake. See, it's, it's, it's working and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. This is better than it. He didn't just get to live. He got rich off of his devices. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And then Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Go. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Do you understand what just happened? What seemed to be going so well ended up blowing up in his face. Do I have your ears? If you're trusting in your own devices, you may be in that season where it seems like it's working. That's what the scripture talks about. Sin seems to work for a season. And then that season runs out. And it just blows up. And Abram gets sent out of the country with his wife and just just imagine that marriage for a while. Think there is any brokenness there? And have you ever asked yourself, what would have what would have Pharaoh thought about Abram 
If Abram would have believed the promises of God, told the truth, and, and genuinely believed on a purely human level, I'm dead meat. But the Lord has promised that I'll be a great nation and I haven't got any sons yet, so I'm immortal until the will of God is fulfilled in my life. And genuinely, and I'm not being silly there, genuinely and profoundly believed the promises of God. See, ask, I've, I've asked myself, what would, it, what would it mean if I would genuinely every day get up and go, I will profoundly believe the promises of God today. Not according to my own devices, my own reasonings. Not by fear, not by selfishness. I'm going to believe the promises of God. Like this one in marriage. He who loves himself, excuse me, he who loves his wife, loves himself. That the, actually the pouring out of your life will have the blessing of God. That you don't need to look out for your own life. But if I did that, imagine the promise of God fulfilled in Abram's life. Because what if he fulfilled it? Yes or no? What if God kept his promises? Or what if he said, oh, didn't think about the famine. Uh-oh, Pharaoh, oh, he likes pretty women. Uh, this is good, uh. What if he kept the promises of God? Of course he would. That's absolute silliness. He would have kept his promises and the Pharaoh of Egypt would have went, wow, what a God. Instead of Abram, why'd you do that to me? You loser, you horrible guy, get out of here. You see, I'm just confronted with the reality at my failure. And I'm not on a high horse. My failure, which is consistent and regular, it hurts the people I love and my testimony before the Lord. You know that, right? We'll see in a couple weeks the value of looking down the road past the immediate and recognizing where's this going? But this, this we don't need to wait on. My failure will hurt the people I love and my testimony for the Lord. And so this chapter that begins with this marvelous wedding, this friendship with God. You know how it ends? Verse 21. So the Lord withdrew his presence from Abram and his blessing was upon him no more. Except there is no verse 21. If you zoned out for a moment... You should have. I got to tell you, Thursday night was a little bit more like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I was just watching and you are like, mm, okay. Wonder what's for lunch. <laughs> Folks, first of all, is there a verse 21 in chapter 12? See, do not put your trust in thy TV because I can manipulate it. This is why you should bring your Bible to church because I am prone to do this just to make sure you are reading your Bible. And there is no verse 21. And if there was, would it say this? No, it would not say that. Because, but this is important. This is why I made up verse 21. Because you get to the end of what, what Abram did and you think, God, are you just going to let that go? Have you never wondered that? Aren't you going to get him? Hey, I learned from a friend a number of years ago. It stuck with me. Be careful how much you want 
the Lord to get people who do wrong stuff. Because that'd be you. Is everyday real life friendship with God filled with failure? It is. It is. See, we're, we're not going to really have authentic fellowship until we acknowledge that. But here's because verse 21 does not exist. Friendship with God will thankfully be filled with abundant grace. You may go, really? Yeah, there is no other answer to the fact that this goes down and God keeps his promises and God fulfills what he said he would to Abram. And instead of you thinking and I thinking, I'm not sure if I like that, I don't think that's right. There is no greater news to you and I right now than to acknowledge Life is filled with God's abundant grace toward his friends. Otherwise, you and I are in a bad, 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 bad way. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. See, I'm not saying, hey, like Romans 6 says, so we sin all the more so that grace would abound all the more? No, he's going, I'm writing this so that you might not sin, that you might live according to you, who you are as children of God, forgiven and set free, children of God with whom the Spirit of God lives in. I'm writing these things so you may not sin, and if anyone sins, yes, yes, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who declares what? He's mine, she's mine, forgiven, it is finished, Paid in full. Church, I want us to live righteously. But let's recognize we often don't. And so greater than our good living is God's abundant grace. So, again, listening to the Lord this morning, I don't know if this will connect with you or not, but I want to apologize as your pastor if what you feel at times is more live righteous, live righteous, then God is gracious, God is gracious, God is gracious. Because I want us to live, and he wants us to live righteously. But the whole problem with that live righteous, live righteous, live righteous is that now I have something that I feel like I can boast about. And the blessing of God in my life is because of I've been good. And that's just a big fat lie. The blessing of God in my life is 100% God has been, would you say it? Gracious, abundantly gracious. So would you hear my heart? the first day out of this friendship, real life friendship with Abram. I want us not to see, oh, what a great guy. What a great guy. What a righteous guy. What a trusting guy. I want us to hear, what a gracious God. Walk out with your heart full of gratitude that we have an advocate because we do sin. That he will not disown me when I fail. That, that when I'm in the Father's hands, no one can pluck me out. 
that I am sealed with the guarantee of my inheritance in the saints. Walk out with your heart full with the fact that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they'll never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That is not because of our goodness. That is because of his abundant grace and his faithfulness that his promises will remain in effect. He won't disown me. And all that we have looked at in those promises of forgiven and set free and peace and hope, it's still true. Even in the midst of our failure. Why? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from what? The love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's what I want us to celebrate. As the band comes up for us to be able to walk out with our eyes lifted up to the Lord I want you to ask yourself this question. Your current friendship with God. Okay? Now, listen carefully, please. I'm not talking about over the last year. I'm talking about this morning. Your current. Oh, don't take that away. I need that. No, I'm just playing with you. (laughs) Your friendship with God. Trusting. Worshiping. Failing. You may go, all of those. No, 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 no. All of those in the last year, probably. You you understand what I'm asking you? Every friendship has a current status. And this isn't hard, you know. You know immediately, oh, I'm in a trusting place. Praise the Lord. I am overwhelmed by his goodness. It's a worshiping place where I'm at a failing. Whether blatant failure or just stagnant failure of not trusting and worshiping. Do you have your current? Do you know what your current is? That's what you bring to the friendship. One of those things in each moment. What's the Lord bring in every moment? Abundant grace. Let you stand with me and let's declare that together. Our gratitude for the abundant grace of our God. You have poured out grace Brought me out of darkness You have filled me with peace Giver of mercy You're my help in time of need Lord, I can't help but see Your promises are yes.
recipients of that grace. And one of the ways that we connect our heart with what we, what the Lord has revealed to us is we go to the scripture and we remember those promises in the scripture that tell us, remind us of that grace that he offers. So I wanted us to take a few minutes here. There's about three verses here that we would read out loud together, whether you're in the room, whether you're in north, whether you're at home, you would read along with me and, and in turn that we would say his promises are yes and amen. So let's say this out loud together. The steps of a man are established by the Lord and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is one, the one who holds his hand. together grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence all your promises are yes and amen promises yes amen let's declare this and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance for every good deed I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. very practical thing you might do this week is that you might say, uh, there are certain promises of God that I need to remind myself of more frequently because it's, it's that area where I seek to, I often will slip back to my own devices. For example, I always feel inadequate to what the Lord's called me to. And so one of the promises we declared that I have everything that I need pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us according to his own glory and excellence. See, there are certain promises that are going to be more important to you than to me. So why don't you make an altar that will serve you probably not 100 years, but for the rest of your life. Uh, in other words, write down those promises and place them where you're prone to fail that you might read it and remember and believe because a relationship, friendship with God is built on trust. We need the promises of God. That's his abundant grace to us. We're gonna uh, take a break for a moment and then we'll set up for our Q&A. 
If you'd like to stay, you're not required to, obviously. If you'd like to stay, uh, we'll start in a minute or two. If you're over in North and you want to come over and be a, participate in here live, that would be great. If you're on live stream, hang on if you want, and we'll in about a minute or two start back up on our Q&A. What's that? Ah, the Holy Spirit has said, we should probably have the light on this one. There we go. The Holy Spirit, in the name of Matt Collins, has said, pick up your kids before the Q&A, and thou shalt not grieve the Holy Spirit. God bless.